Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Conference Championship Weekend is here. We have a spectacular podcast on tap for you today. I'm fired up. My energy level was as low as it's been all season for Sunday's pod. And it is as high as it's been all season for tonight's pod. I'm fired up. I'm bounced. I bounced back. I've gotten my head right. Uh, I've put put. I've put behind me the uh, the losses that we sustained last weekend. Uh, the the buried. I buried the Ravens. They'll be back next year. Everything's fine. Uh, and uh, I'm really fired up for uh, this weekend's matchups. Even though um, they're not that great, actually, on paper, we could have we could have had something better. We could have had Seattle, uh, San Francisco part three. That would have been cool. We could have had the anticipated matchup of last year's MVP and this year's MVP in uh, Ravens Chiefs, but uh, I've I've fully pivoted. I'm wearing my I'm wearing my Chiefs hat now. I'm I'm fully uh, invested in uh, Andy Reid getting his first Super Bowl. I would love for him to get the monkey off his back. Um, I feel like he has uh, given us a lot of entertainment over the years as NFL fans, and it would be great for him to you know, kind of cement his legacy. This would be sweet. So, uh, And Patrick Mahomes is yeah. an electric player. Love I've watching. got two horses now. I think Love I've got it. two horses in the race now. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's either the Andy Reid finally gets it done or the Patriots look stupid for trading Grappolo. <laughs> yeah, those are both like good stu- outcomes. Stupider. I mean, it's already, um, it's already looked like it. You showed me some stats on that trade, which <laughs> – but yes, it's it's exciting. We only have two games today. How are we gonna? Yeah, I know. It's gonna be it's like okay. a twenty minute podcast. That's okay though. We got a lot of other things I would like to cover. This and in true. order to dive into these topics, we reached out to friend of the pod, loyal listener, great great hang behind the scenes on Twitter for talking handicapping, for talking uh, sports betting, and for just having a you know a, a finger on the pulse of what is going on in the media space as we pivot from sort of the traditional classical coverage of sports to kind of a more sports betting focused or hybrid coverage of the sports. This guy is probably the guy that you want to be in contact with, in my opinion, because he actually has skin in the game. He actually cares about this stuff. And he is, you know, has a lot of sort of the same, uh, I won't call it degenerate roots, but you know, he's, 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 he's in the trenches with us making the bets and actually, you know, actually participating, which is, uh, which is a, huge breath of fresh air compared to some of the other sports betting coverage out there so without further ado first ever time guest on the deep dive pod welcome to cbs's own will brinson will welcome to the deep dive what's up guys uh thanks for having me excited to do this uh i feel like um we would hang in real life like i mean oh, yeah. we will at some point i'm not gonna make it <laughs> the vegas situation i think that i'm not gonna make it to long story short um i work and uh i'm actually having to skip a bachelor there's a bachelor party in the bahamas for my stepbrother-in-law i'm supposed to go to but i can't even go to that much less vegas Ooh, so instead i'm gonna ouch. be um i think in palm springs or palm beach for the owners meetings which is fine but my personal preference would be full dj out in uh in vegas and uh and over the bahamas and also in full disclosure I lost my balls last week. <laughs> yes. Not, not in, like, I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to, like, I think that you is. got married? No. I <laughs> had my testicles chopped off by hashtag my local. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did. I, I was, 
I was top 10 in the country against the spread of all NFL experts or whatever, like the NFL pick watch tracks it. I creamed everybody at CBS for the regular season. I am one in seven straight up in the playoffs. You know, it'll make you feel better. Did you watch that? Did you watch that uh, segment from uh, Stugatz 30 for 30 on Cowan Cowan? Oh my God. I don't think anything made me feel better this week. (laughs) I really don't. That was a full hard reset. Someone of that profile just getting ethered like that was was unbelievable. Did, I mean, not to like, I, I, I'll be honest, like after this week, I haven't, I didn't listen to y'all's recap on Sunday. Um, Probably for the very, very same reason, whale that you're, your your uh, levels were so low, like I was sure. Like, I got and then well, and then okay. So to make matters worse, um, I had a crap ton of Clemson, a jeez, oh, obscene amount of Clemson, and also the over. So oh, no. that was fun, yeah. Um, and then I dipped my toe back in a little bit when it was like anyway, like I had a lot of Clemson. I should find you my over ticket. What'd well, you get? Sixty six. 65 oh, like fucker. after after like bookmaker had a 65 and said okay this is the steam has gone, gone like this up. has gone right out the window i'm taking a little of this and then for for a while it looked like it was going to land in the mid 70s anyway i i wish i had i took it when it popped out because i thought it was gonna i thought it was gonna get to the 70s like i really yeah, did, I did and it, it didn't it didn't move at all until the day before the game and it flew down to 65 and at that point you're like mf or man like if yeah. i hadn't touched this i'm like i'd be feeling yeah and like i'd already gotten everything i wanted to get on it like i wasn't going to take any more at 65 I, and um so that hurt uh you know i thought i thought clemson could have won the, and i know that lsu beat the shit out can i can i cuss on here can i cuss on here? oh yeah 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 well, feel free yeah so, <laughs> um, no, you're fine danny cannell told a uh a very uh, it'll be out i think it'll be out Thursday morning on the Pick Six podcast, but Danny Cannell told a Clinton Porter story that ended with a punchline that, like, my producer slacked me. It was like, "Oh my god!" Are you, like, it it involves like it involves the p word. I don't even know if it's, he might even cut the whole story out. Honestly, it's, it's hilarious about Clinton Porter and Mike Shanahan. But anyway, I recommend checking it out. But I didn't want to spring that on you guys the way Danny sprung it on us. Well, that's a good Why reminder. That? I've got a fun Kyle Shanahan fast fact later on. Ooh, I can't wait. What do you think, though, overall of uh, Clemson LSU? Well, right, right outcome? Like, like, I I mean, Trevor Lawrence just played like crap. Like, I like yeah. if, if yeah. he couldn't – Clemson panicked once LSU scored that touchdown to end the first half. Mm-hmm. And like the yeah. third 19 pass interference call, which is a good call, but a t- terrible penalty by Clemson, set up the Joe Burrow scramble, which was ballsy as hell, to run a scramble with no timeouts with 21 seconds left. Like if he's tackled in bounds, they're probably not even getting a field goal off. And yeah. instead he good gets point. out of bounds and they're going to get multiple looks in the end zone. He knew they were going to score. They get the ball back. Clemson gets a stop, scores again, but then like LSU just poured it on. I, I thought that Clemson didn't do enough. Brent Venables did a really good job designing that stack defense that got after Joe Burrow, but then they didn't have anything ready for a counter once LSU adjusted to it. And LSU and uh, the offensive staff, Joe Brady, you now with the Panthers, did a really good job with that. And um, yeah, I mean, like, I, if I know Trevor Lawrence, if you showed me Trevor Lawrence's stat line, I, I obviously wouldn't have backed Clemson. Sure. Uh, he, I had a few small props. Through you know somebody else, I I didn't know what the hell to play, so I asked some people who knew what the hell they were doing. And I had some Trevor Lawrence over yardage passing, 
and he he was stuck at 200 for like three quarters. Mm. Like he he had a nice stretch at the start, and then it just that was the plateau. He got stuck he there, and it everything. Sucked. Footwork was garlic. Like yeah. you could tell, he was like just. It was. It's weird though because like that defense isn't as good as Bama's defense was last year. And no he, way. Like, Not even he, close. Not even close. Right. And he like. Flint, it's weird to see him just come. I mean, he was not, he was played his ass off against Bama last year as a true freshman. Mm. And this year is like with all the experience under his belt. And I thought he was playing the best football of his career the final six weeks of the regular season. And then he just got flustered in that game. It was really mm. dark. Does he, he kind of had like a mimbo quality to him last year. Like he didn't know any better. Like he didn't know he wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> like he yeah. didn't know he was supposed to, you know, lose to, to Bama in the title game. He just kind of just went out there and did it. And then this year it did feel like, like the expectations, like he was aware. Yeah. I mean, but like it's 17, seven, I was like, you genius. You did it again. You're back. Dava. Yeah. You're about to make up all those Ravens losses. And the- oh. I, I, feel partially, I feel partially responsible. I've got a guy. <laughs> I've got a guy I bet, you know, I talk betting with back home and he's, he called me when it was 17, seven. And cause I, I'd kind of told him like, I don't know, some smart people are going to be on Clemson. If you want to take it, take it early. And he did, he got a good number and he calls and he's just the ultimate mush. Mm. He, he bet, he bet uh, Oklahoma, the Baker Mayfield game against Georgia. And I had Georgia that day and he just was berating me. I'd feel pretty fucking stupid if I had Georgia today. He said. And then he ended up leaving at halftime to go home and the rest is, I mean, he had, he had the page or he had the Falcons in the Super Bowl. He, this oh, is what he does. Yeah. Like yeah. he does. He, he's on every one of these. So he called me, I yelled at him. I said, I said, you know, you know what you're doing right now. He's like, Oh, I'm not too worried. There we go. By, by the way, just I mentioned Danny Cannell. Um, I want to give a shout out to Danny Cannell because he also mentioned on the podcast. He's like, yeah, I had Clemson too. He's like, fortunately, when Clemson was up 17-7, he's like, I live bet LSU plus 130. I was like, weren't you in the press box? He's like, yeah. So I was like, hell yeah, Danny. I was like, all right. There's no cheering in the press box, but there's live betting. (laughs) There's middling. Yeah, you can can hedge. There's hedging. There's there's arbitrage in the press box, of course. Are we burying the lead on this game, though? The uh, OBJ just handed out hundies. Uh, like, that's kind of turning into a mess. <laughs> they're making them, they had to release statements and stuff, which LSU, I guess. Maybe they're like, we erroneously thought it was fake dollar bills. It's like, oh, yeah, sure. sure the video disappears and they're like, uh, we have contact the NCAA. Like, what? Is, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Usually that happens uh, when the video cameras are turned off and all in the locker room, not on the field when there's, you know, social media live streaming. So, yeah, no, I think I, I guess uh, one, one last question about the title game. Um, do did you feel like uh, Dabo Sweeney deserved any heat for the way he called the Ohio State game? And then the, the LSU game, there was a lot of conservatism that I don't know was warranted with that, you know, that high octane of the team. I think the comp there is pretty easy to make. It's Bill O'Brien against the um, Chiefs. <laughs> sure. Like yeah. You're, or, playing, yeah, yeah. you're playing one of the best offensive teams in the last – I don't know, 10, 15, 40 years. Like, dude, you better, yeah. if you know you got to score 50, uh, like, the, like the, I, the punts they did early on did help their defense get in position to really, I think, maybe reduce what LSU could do on offense. But I think they would have been better served going for it. Cause if you're, it's just, I mean, this no shit Sherlock thing, but like if you're up, <laughs> I mean, if you're up 27 to seven, as opposed to 17 to seven, it's better. And you're more likely to hold on. So oh, especially with Etienne in the backfield, like you yeah. can, you could have never given them the ball back at that point. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that was, I I think that was a great coach, but he, he didn't play it as aggressively as he should have. That's a good comp to the Houston game though, too. Like the, the, the field goal to go up 24, nothing like without, I I mean, I tweeted about it the moment it happened. I had no idea what was going to happen. I still hated it. And you still get, you still get people in the mentions like, no, you got to take the points. That just you keep the momentum. Like, no, man, twenty-eight feels a lot better. Than no, you just gave them a win. Offense. Yeah, you just gave them a win. They just you stopped them going win. down twenty-eight. Nothing. No, I, like, I, I forgot just, to check yeah. that uh, one of the guys I usually check with, uh, Lee Sharp. He does a lot of modeling with uh, win percentages, and he said he even he tweeted that I didn't think he had live stats. I went to look, but he tweeted he's like, I feel like this might be one of the field goals that actually raises the win percentage for the other team. Yeah, no, it's you turn that, a three-score game into a three-score game. Exactly. Like, Buffalo did it against Houston, too. They go up 16 nothing. Like, they, they took their foot off the gas on that drive. If they go for the jugular and go up 20 nothing instead of just accepting fate and getting 16 nothing, like, they win that game easily. And those, But, it's you know, you turn a two-score game into a two-score game, guess what? You're tied. Next next thing you know, you're tied. So, yep. yeah. No, and those, a, yeah, those yeah. teams aren't in the playoffs anymore. That's right. That's right, man. But we don't need to rehash too much of the uh, of the past. We're here to talk about the future. We're here to prognosticate about the future. And before talking about the future of these games and predicting what will happen in conference championship games, I'm curious, Will, what do you think of the future of kind of sports media overall and like the way that kind of, you know, betting and the talk of gambling is kind of now that it's acceptable, it's creeping into the discussion more. It's more part of the national broadcast. It's more widely accepted. And like there will be effectively a tipping point where the people that you need to be tuning in, the people that you need to be selling ads to, if you're a broadcasting company, are they going to be the hardcore gamblers, right? Like it's this is there's going to be um, a pretty clear uh, demarcation where, oh, no, our audience is here for this. Like there, and that, that will, I think, in some way influence how you know, how the game is covered. Do you have like a sense of where we're going with the uh, sort of the future of sports coverage through the 2020s? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting because like we're in it, you know, I mean, like, like all, I mean, like we're doing a, a deep dive handicapping podcast, <laughs> on, you know, on, on the conference championship games. We wouldn't have, I don't, I mean, like how long have y'all been doing deep dive? Now? This is our th- third one. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's, but that's like, that's like three full years of doing this to cover. Like that's a long time. But like, and I don't know if I'm like more, I don't know if I'm more in tune with um, hashtag gambling Twitter. Can we, do we call it game? I don't want to like, of yeah. course, no, we, we, we usually call it, we gam, call it gam twit. Yeah, we call it gam twit. We do not here. say that. <laughs> like, I feel like I just, I just happen to know a bunch of people who are in it, you know, like you guys and um, you know, like Vegas Reef. I mean, you know, all the, the, the whole crowd that's, that's sort of in, in gam twit. Um, but like, but I do think that, I mean, again, I like this. <laughs> if you don't finance Twitter calls themselves FinTwit and it just oh, it makes yeah, me, yeah. It, no, it yeah. absolutely kills me. It kills me. It's so terrible. <laughs> it's so terrible. So I think GamTwit is, 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 uh, just, is, a, yeah. is a, is a, is a, just a horrific, <laughs> we need <laughs> horrific, our Patagonia horrific moniker and, for hashtag yeah. gambling Twitter. <laughs> anyway, please carry on. No, but I think that like. The the people who are in charge of these bigger sports websites are keenly aware that this is the next thing. And like we, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to act like I'm speaking for my bosses, but I mean, like we make it very clear in our podcast and our written content and our video, even now on CBS, like CBS Sports HQ is 24 seven, 
And like when they have, like I'm doing a hit at, I did a hit uh, on Wednesday night when we recorded this at like 6.30 and it was early leans. And it was like, who do you like in these games? And, you know, give us your best Super Bowl future. And, you know, it's like a four minute hit. And then tomorrow at noon, I'm going to do a preview for the conference championships. But like they want us to sprinkle in gambling discussions and points about the line and try to make, you know, some kind of salient sense of like what you should do with certain things. Like, uh, and, and like our podcast, you know, I mean, it's a da- pick six podcast, a daily podcast, but like our picks pod on Friday is just, I mean, it's just gambling. It's no longer a preview pod discussing all the games. And so I think, I think that like, I like, I, I feel like it's almost, it's not maybe, I guess to me being like in it, I feel like it's almost saturated already, but I guess it hasn't fully like taken over all the markets. Like you hear Joe Buck, who's like, you know, uh, this is a pretty important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For like, some, some people are interested. Some people in this are really tuned into this. Yeah, but like, this game, like, yeah, this thirty-eight-seven game matters to some. Yeah, but like you know, you this drive hear, matters to some. Yeah, go ahead. But you can hear like the announcers who know and the announcers who don't. Like you can tell who's always known and who's sort of now getting in on. Like I don't think, and I'm not criticizing Joe Buck, but he like clearly has not been in this. Like. He didn't like, you can tell he like, right? Oh yeah, for sure. No, that's, that's my favorite game. For sure. Trying to figure out what Al's on. Cause he, he (laughs) will tip his hand at some point and be like, at some point, you know, I would probably, I'd probably kick this here. I don't know. The punts. It's like, it's a long field goal. It's like, okay. Yeah. So you'd whittle it down. He's either on that team or the over. And then you usually figure it out by about (laughs) half time. But But yeah, no, the, the handicap, I mean, the way betting, let's just say the side, the way betting works is almost a better way to look at some of these games. It's almost cringeworthy when you have these pregame shows and they ask everybody to pick who wins. Yeah. And it's like, and it's a, like one of those, you know, like an 18 point spread or something. One of those like, ones. Like, like, what's, like, what's the point of everybody picking straight up in this game? Like, it's stupid. It's a waste of everyone's time. No, I mean, I, I think, right. And like, it's, you know, when you make a pick, when you do a pregame pick like that, it started with like Jimmy the Greek back on. Of CBS course. Yeah. Making a pregame pick and saying so, like, you know, who does this really well right now? The only person who does it really well with like a slide nod and wink is Greg Rosenthal at NFL.com. Mm. He does specific score predictions because they're not you can't at NFL.com mention gambling right now. Oh, I suppose. You know, they don't have a So like if you go and read Greg's. And like Pickwatch puts his again, like Greg and our boys. So I mean, but like he, you can see like that they put his against the spread picks on there based on his score totals. Sure, he's not actually making. There's no mention of the spread in any of these games. So if you look at Greg, like if he and he's actually very good against the spread. You can see that there's like a slide nod and wink to it, and that's what Jimmy the Greek did back in the day. He'd be like, I'm picking the Bengals in this game. I think it's going to be a close one. You know. Uh, they're going to win by six. And that would be – but now the, it just became like a thing where you have to pick every game before the pregame show, even though some of these games, like, we really don't need to pick until the you know the Patriots lose to the Dolphins in week seven. I mean, yeah, shit, I mean, shit happens, but still. Right. Yeah, but it doesn't inform you – it doesn't help to know that six people who are an expert in this sport all think the Patriots are going to beat the Dolphins. Of course they do. Everyone knows. You know, like, and even if you go out on a limb and pick the Dolphins, you know, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? Like, it's, it's, there's no point. But it's, it's, a, I, it's a really 
it is really interesting where what the future will hold here, and I'm fascinated. And I, I, I especially appreciate you kind of are kind of a bridge to a lot of different communities on Twitter, I feel like. Like yeah. you kind of connect the, yeah. the analytics community, the Antwits. Uh, with twits? the media, with the media community, the mead, the mead twits, with the, the, with uh, the North the Carolina twits, beer, yeah. the North Carolina <laughs> craft yeah. beer Twitter. Yeah. Talking about Jam Twit, Jam Twit. Yeah, exactly. Jam Twit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Steely Dan Twit. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right there tying them fish, all. Fish tying all, Yeah, tying all the the key communities together. But no, no, I do. I I think it's pretty cool that uh, that it is kind of feel like there's a coalescence here of all of these different, uh, you know, groups kind of coming together. And I, I'm fascinated to see where it goes in the next 10 years. So. I, I mean, I would just say too, like when I, whenever I started, whenever I started working for CBS and like writing online, like the one thing I always said, I mean, like I, you know, I, I try to, I do it now. Like I just, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to write. I like, I mean, I would tell people if they were hiring me, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to be some staid copy, like game recap guy. Like I'm going to write the way that I talk and I'm, you're going to get me on the paper for better or for worse. Sure. I mean, like I've been there 10 years, so I guess it's for the better, but like, I was like, listen, I'm going to write in the words that are in my brain are going to spew out on the paper. And like, it's going to come off as slang. It's probably going to have like a bunch of bad typos in there. I will try and get better. Uh, I am not a jerk. I'm not a hashtag journal or a big J. Like I didn't go to journalism school or anything <laughs> like that. I started writing on Matthew Berry's, when he did had Matt, Matt Barry, who Matthew Barry, who's now the the fantasy guy at ESPN, he had the talented mrrodo.com. And I started writing on his message boards and yeah. answering fantasy questions and got a promotion to write columns for his website. Um, and it was I was making like twenty five bucks a month from it. Oh, so good. I was, I was, I was, I was, my, parents, I was my dad's law firm and I was like I told my dad, I was like, look, I was like, I think that this is he's like, yeah, don't quit your day job, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and just, it, and then it, I got lucky and got a job with CBS. And like, so that, that and like, I mean, I grew up, I mean, I didn't grow up gambling or anything like that, but you know, we bet on sports throughout college. And, of course. You know, you'd have a bookie and you didn't have the sites online. Um, and then, you know, you then sports books started popping up and then black Monday, et cetera, et cetera, came around. And, but like, you know, it's always, it's always been there as part of like how I watch sports. And so for me, it was sort of easy to integrate it. And I think, well, you're right. Like it does matter to have skin in the game. Like I think that that is really important when you're talking to listeners or people are reading what you write, like you guys, when you guys do your podcast on Sundays, like I, I always, it's one of the podcasts that I listen to usually on like Mondays when I'm walking my dog or when I'm driving my kid to school or something like that, because I want to hear what you guys think about certain lines that come out because you guys, you guys know what you're talking about and you have skin in the game. Like Andy kills it on totals when he jumps on them early on. <laughs> it's, the, yeah. it's the most fun watching the market agree with you. It, it's yeah, almost yeah. more fun than winning. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like, think Andy was making yeah, the market in totals in a couple of games like, this season. <laughs> I think Andy was making the market in totals in a couple of games this season. So that's my opinion. <laughs> At least the Houston over, baby. <laughs> well, okay. Let me. Uh, I guess uh, a couple. A couple of uh, uh, spinoff questions here for you. Um, over under two and a half more football seasons until the CBS app has a dedicated stream, which is a gambling focused play by play and commentary. Ooh. Uh, let's see, twenty twenty. I will say. 
that's a really good idea. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> yeah. I, this is not, this yeah, no, is not an yeah, inception moment. This we're is applying not, for that not job. Inception. Yeah, this, is, <laughs> this is not an inception, but I, but there's for sure there's, there's a market for this. I'm sure. That's I'm just, and, and you know, the CBS, the CBS app is slick. Like if you want to watch CBS, like you got to have the CBS app on your Apple TV or your Roku or whatever, like, yeah easy enough to integrate a second broadcast there that focuses on gambling people brings them in like yeah you could and you know and that's an easy and obvious marketing opportunities by the way but that's a different conversation altogether um but yeah you know two two and a half seasons feels like the kind of the half-life for you know that idea well, being a reality what do you think well two and a half is actually the perfect number because the new cba is up after 2021 right because 2011 was the first CBA. Yeah, so 2021, right? I think the new CBA is up after 2021. Now they may hammer out a new CBA in this um, in this off season. So like the timing is a little weird here, but like right now, I don't think you and and so after the new CBA is knocked out, then they're gonna, the NFL is going to go to the new broadcast deals, and that's where it's going to get really interesting because the NFL knows how much money is going to come in on these gambling deals. I think that CBS and Fox and ESPN and ABC, obviously by, you can tell the way that they're doing this, understand how much money is coming into them um, on the side because they can now, they will be able to uh, presumably in the new C once the new CBA is done and the revenues are sort of hashed out, they'll be able to get like ESPN can do a Sunday morning show from nine to 11 or, or let's say uh, you know, 11 to one on Sundays that is sponsored by Caesar's palace, just hypothetically, right? Sure. Yes. That's yeah. yeah. They'll set it up in Vegas. Doug Kazarian will be doing it. They'll have their NFL guys out there. That is a massive sell that they can make a bunch of extra revenue off of. And so everyone understands the finances here. The trick is that they're going to have to layer it in a way like the, the NFL is really slow to adapt here. And so I just wonder, I, I don't know how quickly the NFL will adapt and whether they will allow gambling discussion from broadcast partners over an actual telecast that to me is sort of the tricky part mm, okay okay like if you go to CBS, that makes sense if you go to cbs sports right now and you go to our expert page and we, we were talking before we started like the grid with the picks if you go to our straight up page you will see logos for all the teams if you go to our against the spread page you will see uh sf GB. Oh, interesting. Like, I, I don't think I'm reporting oh. that's not. Yeah, we, don't, we don't deal with much of the legalese here because we don't, we're not that worried, but that's, that's something to think about. That's crazy. Like, if, yeah, like, like whales, whale doesn't have the, you guys don't have like the, like a, the, the 49ers win. You don't, you're not going to get like the NFL banging down your door, like, hey, man, quit putting a whale Photoshop at the 49ers. <laughs> Yeah. Well, like I worry you, about that a little bit. A little <laughs> so bit. Yeah. You have you, worried about I'm that, but little, it's like when I'm you go to an offshore. You, you click on an offshore, and it's got a picture of two players, and it just says like Green Bay versus San Francisco, and it's a guy in a red helmet fighting like <laughs> yeah. a guy in a green helmet. Oh, like, it was like that for use, fantasy football yeah. forever. They just too, use right? the yeah. yeah. They just use the name of the cities, and that's it. We are generic colors. We are not allowed to use logos to promote gambling on the that like if you and you can tell it on you can see it on on sports center if they put up odds for the super mm. bowl they don't say super bowl odds they say professional football championship odds and they oh, don't man they, it's the big game nobody ever yeah. noticed nobody <laughs> noticed if you, if you know about it but like they won't say like packers four to one it'll be like green bay four to one they can only say the cities and the location and they cannot say nfl they cannot say super bowl they cannot say the teams 
if it involves gambling right now. And mm. so all of that has to be hashed out before said mm. broadcast could happen. Okay. Well, if we need to grease all the lawyers and agents, then two and a half is probably an over. Um, okay. No. Apparently, yeah, and apparently we, uh, we're getting an education here too. It's like, Jesus, yeah. You, well, no, cause like, I, I, like, 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 awesome. yeah, it's an awesome idea. <laughs> well, cause I mean like, like the show we do at halftime, like the show that like awesome. Nate Duncan does for NBA. I don't know if you're an NBA head at all, but like, you know, they like focus on like the minutia of like the NBA game, like what's happening from like a playing, like a player level. In a, that no broadcast can match. And it's a cool second screen kind of viewing experience. And it feels like there's an opportunity there for, you know, people who are so hardcore into this that they like, like, I, I can't, it's just I can't like listen. what we just like, had. I don't want to shit, shit on ESPN or, your, you know, or like, especially, um, you know, burn any bridges here, but like, I can't listen to Monday night football. What about I can't have, or... I can't have the audio on. Like I literally yeah. can't listen to it. The the college football championship. What about the? Yeah. It's like the coaches' room. Yeah, exactly. Like there, Great there's point. a Great ton point. of yeah. people that are just like the broadcast is almost cringy. I can't listen to those guys. But if you go over, like people are just posting that. Like if you're not already listening to the coaches, you, you should be. It's a hundred times better. It's like having ten Romos in the room breaking down the plays. Yeah, so right. With that, from that perspective, I mean, like, and I obviously I don't have full knowledge of ESPN inner workings, but um, if you look at the power uh, structure. So like the NFL has power over all the broadcast partners because it's the, sure. like they, they dictate a lot to broadcast partners because it's like, Hey, listen, you don't, you don't like it. Cool. You don't have any more games. <laughs> like, good, good yeah, luck right. forward with your games. Uh, yeah. Your lack of NFL. Whereas ESPN's college football partnership is almost symbiotic with the NCAA mm -hmm. because they mm -hmm. are, I mean, what CBS has two bowls and like, I mean, like Fox has some more coverage now that they got into the big 10 and all that, but like ESPN is the provider of record for them. So like they have a little more leeway to basically do whatever they want. Ah, uh, leverage is key. I see. I see. Um, okay. Interesting. Uh, do, uh, I guess another over under question, uh, over under five and a half years before, like there's a clear and obvious shift in terms of who like the best NFL handicappers are from like the analytics community, right? Like I feel like the analytics community now, which has kind of taken over, I guess it took four or five years for the analytics to just completely sweep through DFS and fantasy. Right. And I, it will come at some point into the NFL. And I guess, you know, how many years do we have <laughs> until to, to, to get up to speed, I guess. <laughs> so like, give me, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but give me a, like a concrete. So you mean like when we'll be, when we'll have like, um, like, so like a handicap, like a, like the analytical handicapper on, uh, CBS, like the NFL today, or do you mean? Good. Like yes, exactly. CBS is pregame show. CBS pregame show will feature uh, an analytics-minded folk, who, you know, who or, is breaking down the game and handicapping it from an analytics standpoint. Yeah. Even even like the ref, the the stupid gimmicky ref thing they have, like, oh, here, we're going to a challenge. Let's talk to a referee expert. I want to see. We have a fourth and two at the thirty-seven. Yes. Yeah. Let's go to our analytics expert, oh, great and they question. can be like. And, and they can just trash this coach, be like, this is a 3% loss in win probability for the game. This is a terrible idea. Or even just the last week, 
yeah, he probably shouldn't punt that back to Aaron Rodgers. Like that, that it's probably going to cost him the game. It's a huge swing in what they have left of a win probability. I'd love. To I see feel like that's that. coming sooner. That's probably that's got to come very years, soon. Right? There's so yeah. many websites that do that now. Yeah, I would. I would. I agree with you that it should come sooner. I would not. Five. I would definitely take the under on five years for somebody being like a win probability guy. But you got to remember too that um, when you talk about incorporating and in like, I don't want this to sound pejorative or anything, but like. They're not going to toss some nerd up in the st- in like in the like they're not going to like. He's got to be a good looking nerd. Right, be a good looking nerd who can like be like eloquent and like. Good you know, luck. Like, yeah, so like you you got I mean like we got three right here guys with the. Uh, <laughs> the um, I think that yeah one I would follow the lead of the pregame shows, and if you watched I mean and, I mean I love the NFL Today pregame show. I don't like, I usually try to spend my time with my family leading up to like the one o'clock games. I'm not going to see him for like nine hours, but like, <laughs> I mean, pregame shows, like let's name the people on the pregame shows right now. Uh, it's, you know, Bill Coward, Nate Burleson, Phil Sims, Boomer yeah. Sison. Uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but, right. Exactly. But I mean, <laughs> Fox, you have Michael Strahan. Uh, I watched the pizza uh, Periscope. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Pizzola, that is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, go ahead. It is, there's like <laughs> between ESPN and NBC and Fox and CBS, there's probably 12 pregame, pregame guys total at a desk, right? Mm-hmm. Those guys are all big-name former players who are not likely to be removed unless the chemistry is just not working. Um, then you have fantasy guys have finally started to infiltrate it. Like ESPN finally started doing this where they go to Matt Barry and they're like, Hey Matt, like what's the deal, you know, Matthew, what's the deal on this guy and this guy? And he gets like 15 seconds, right? I mean, he doesn't Good point. Get, yeah. Even like Schefter and Mort and Jason Lock and four and Jay Glazer do not get five minute segments. You know, Good they point. Get, like, um, like 90 seconds on these pregame shows. And so I think the airtime is so valuable and they're s- so structured in a traditional method that you won't see that turnover quite yet. I would maybe three years if it becomes a really big thing, but I, I still think that they'll, the networks will be hesitant to like shove an analytical guy in the broadcast um, because, you know, CBS is still like, the demographic for CBS is primarily old, middle-aged, old people. I mean, like sure. old white people. I mean, is, so- Mar- is Marino still on that? Remember, he, remember, <laughs> he, remember, he leaned and farted. He, he asked <laughs> by Andrew Siciliano today about Bill Cower getting. It. He's like, "You're on with CBS," and there's like a awkward delay. Oh, like, oh God! Yeah, oh my God! Tony Gonzalez is on it now. He's on Fox TV. I mean, there's an archetype here. It's like a stud former player and. So sure. they're not, not going to be like, hey, Brinson, come on up and talk to us about the spread. You know, I'm like, hey, coach, hey, Boomer, what's going on? Yeah, so uh, I was talking to Whale and Andy and the uh, the owner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it had been like, did, did you watch the Jimmy Johnson <laughs> Hall of Fame thing? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, that was, but he mentioned, yeah, like the nerd, he'd been like, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. <laughs> this guy, this, this guy went to MIT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or if they're like, he's like, well, technically, Jimmy's career approximate value indicates that he isn't actually. <laughs> I still, 
And oh god, the, the best tweets were Big Cat. He's baffled by this too. But when that guy from the Hall of Fame walked in, it's like a cartoon. He's so oh. big. He's such a big person. David Bates, yeah. you know, I, what I felt bad for Jimmy Johnson too because like you know, we had CBS had the the AFC game on Saturday, and so like Cower gets in, and then Jimmy's. I mean, like if I'm Jimmy, I'm like, yeah, oh. if I don't get if that. If that big ass dude doesn't walk in here tomorrow, I'm pit- like you're furious. You're oh like, yeah, lose and your then shit. Almost, yeah. And then they almost killed him. I thought he. I thought we were going to see him <laughs> die on air. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't talk. He lost. He lost all saliva. He was so dry. Well, the fact that he's not in the Cowboys ring of. Oh, Jim, Jimmy's or Jerry's just a dick. dick. Yeah, yeah. That's such a spite move. He's in the oh, ring of, of honor before they bury Jerry. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> between the time he dies and when the funeral is, they'll just put him up there. <laughs> so. all right well football? uh that was all super insightful yeah let's talk some football i love we'll, we'll have to do another one of these uh uh in the off season and really dig dig into some of this stuff more just, because just, i find it all fascinating yeah just for the record i have nowhere to go and this is enjoyable so oh, okay of course no no but i'm sure there's people listening like what i want to hear the handicap of the chiefs game yeah you're at home. well here you go here's your handicap of the chiefs game uh Kansas City is playing the Tennessee Titans in the early spot. This is for the AFC Championship. This is for a spot in, in uh, this is for uh, a trip to Miami. Uh, and uh, Kansas City wins. They will likely be in all, for, unless something wild happens in this game. Kansas City wins. They will likely be the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And I think it's all relatively warranted. All of the hoopla, all of the to do, all of the glowing feeling around Kansas City, given the fact that number one, their comeback was absolutely electric against the Texans down 24. Like it was so effortless and so, um, and so completely one sided. As soon as the, uh, as soon as the tide turned, there was, uh, just virtually no hope. And this is a Kansas City team that is beat to come back. I mean, they're, they're built to come back from deficits. Uh, and they showed us that in spades against the Texans down 24 nothing. Uh, and yes, you can give Bill O'Brien plenty of blame for that performance of, you know, of his team, you know, collapsing, so to speak. But uh, I don't know if they really could have done anything to stop what was coming. 51 points, incredible performance. Andy Reid off a of bye, as we know, is outstanding. Uh, and now they earned the right to host the AFC Championship game because the Ravens couldn't get it done. They could not get the win against the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans pull off back-to-back stunners, beating the Patriots and the Ravens on the road in both spots. They head to Kansas City, their fourth straight road game. Not a great spot. Not a great spot. <laughs> We've been seeing this for weeks, though. Third, I know, but this one second is especially straight road not game. Great. Third straight. This is especially road, not yeah. great. They will, to, if you know, to win, to clinch their Super Bowl spot, they will have to be the first team ever to win four straight games on the road uh and it's not looking good uh for them as seven and a half point underdogs weirdly they opened this number low andy got involved involved on a seven it's up to seven and a half my power numbers have this closer to 11 but i haven't pulled the trigger i haven't played the points on kansas city i don't really know why I will try at some point during this handicap to make the case for the Titans. I'll just be the you know red team here or the, the sky blue team, I guess, and uh, and see if there's any water here for Tennessee. Um, but this is not a great spot for them in any way, shape, or form. They have a pass defense that is going to have a very difficult time uh, containing Mahomes. Um, the past, you know, they they basically dared 
Lamar Jackson to beat them along the sidelines down the field. He couldn't do it, especially with his young wide receiving core, not necessarily running crisp routes, catching balls. And his inaccuracy was a problem in those, in those for those throws specifically. Well, uh, you can't dare Patrick Mahomes to beat you down the field because he will, and he will beat you badly, and you will be desperately from behind for most of this game. So I think you have to see Tennessee come in with a completely different approach. Namely, I think they have to play Take, take a, a page right out of the Patriots playbook from last AFC title game. I think they need the ball uh, a lot in this first half, play ball control, beat them up with Travis Henry, uh, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines, keep him cold, prevent him from getting into a rhythm, hope that he gets nervous, hope that he gets butterflies, uh, and make this kind of a coin flippy down the stretch team with the ball last kind of wins situation. But uh, I don't know that they have that in them. Um, my only play so far in this game is a first half under, because I do think you see an approach that is, um, you know, tr- that Tennessee tries to take the air out of the ball early in this one. Um, but I don't feel great about it, especially getting my ass burned on the under last year, last week's Tennessee. I mean, last week's uh, Kansas city game. So don't have a strong read on this one either way. I just, uh, I think Kansas city is ripe for, uh, first Super Bowl trip with Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reed. Uh, Will, what have you taken any action in this one so far? And do you think this is a fair number at seven and a half? Yeah, I think it's probably the right number mainly because, and look, I mean, this is going to sound stupid and I, and like, I like to build a little bit of emotion into my handicap and a little bit of, um, you know, gut feeling like that's just how I, like, I, I take all the numbers in. I like all the numbers, but I'm going to build. Um, I do think that a lot of people, and this includes myself because I bet on New England and I bet on the Baltimore. Mm. I'm scared, mm-hmm. Tennessee. Like yeah. I seven and a half. I'm like, this, like I'm scared. Like, I, do I really want to fade the Titans? Like getting another touchdown? Like it seems God. insane. And yet, I, like the the hook on the other side. Now that they're both seven and a half. Like if if it's if it's minus seven and a half, it is. At, and you have a so not. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here on the two games, but like you have a Tennessee team that beat that bludgeoned new England um, and a Tennessee team that just destroyed Lamar Jackson in that offense. And when you see them getting seven and a half, it really feels like the right spot to take him. Now it's a lot of points. Tennessee came back in that regular season game against Kansas city. They came back from like three or four different deficits. Where <clears throat> yeah, like, it's great they were call. 10, nothing in the first quarter. And then I think they were down like, I mean, they were down six or seven points three different times and came back and found a way to win. It was a little bit fluky. I do think the one thing that's sort of being or here, here, here's the, here's the, here's the handicap to me in, in, in two different game scripts. One Tennessee comes out and gets a lead and they, they get up 10, nothing and they will run the living crap out of Derrick Henry and they will get downhill. Um, and maybe they make some defensive stops against Patrick Mahomes. Dean Pease is an awesome defensive coordinator. And if that happens, they can win outright and they will easily cover the seven points because as good as Kansas city is at coming back, it will not be as easy to come back against Tennessee as it Mm -hmm. was against Houston, which has a bad run game. Um, a coach who likes to play conservative and and button up, especially on first and second downs. And I don't think Mike Vrabel will run that fake pundle that maybe he will. Um, isn't good, but they're better than Houston secondary. And so to me, I don't think you'll see like, if they if they get up twenty four nothing, I think Tennessee will just flat out win the game and run the ball effectively. I don't think they'll cough up the lead as easily. On the other hand, if Kansas City scores early and often and gets up ten nothing, I think that they can turn this into an absolute runaway train. 
because the mm-hmm. people do not understand how good their pass defense is. It ended up being like, I mean, I don't want to call it one of the better pass defenses in the league because you have New England and you have, you know, Buffalo, but it was a top 10 by DVOA pass defense. And Honey Badger is playing out of his mind right now. They have guys stepping up and making plays like Rashad Breeland had that play in New, in, in New England to, to, to knock down the game, would be game winning pass or game tying pass. And if they can flip the script on Tennessee and force them to utilize Ryan Tannehill, I do not think that they have enough weapons. I love A.J. Brown, one of the best young players in, in football right now. Um, but I don't think they have enough weapons to go into comeback mode and storm back. So to me, just like the Baltimore game, and, I, and I'm an effing idiot because I said this all week long leading up to the Baltimore Titans game. I said, whoever gets to 10 first, hammer that team live because they are going to run away and win because neither team is built to come back. And then I like kept pressing the live bet button. <laughs> pick them, like some jackpot and lost a ton of money. But Oh, you know what was even worse real quick to interrupt you? No, go ahead. I'm that. Just- that 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 made me gun. Sh- I was in the same boat as you, and that made me gun shy to get involved in Kansas City. And I was like, I knew it, but I knew it in my heart. I was like, Kansas City's built to come back. Baltimore's not, but I did it anyway. I like, I, so oh I I took that, that second quarter was. I took Kansas City yeah. big. I took Kansas City big minus nine and a half before the game, and I was perfectly comfortable with. It. I thought they're going to beat the crap out of Houston. The Houston scores a touchdown. I was like, oh shit. So I'm betting my four and a half. And then like they scored another touchdown. All right, I bet them as a pick. And then they scored another touchdown. I was like, I can't do it. I just can't take it more. And then all of a sudden it's 21 14. They're back up to like seven. I was like, okay, like I'm just not going to dive in at this point. Just go cover the nine and a half and I'll be fine. Um, but you're like, I agree. That is what, like, I'm, I am gun shy to jump on Kansas City in this game because of what we've seen Tennessee do. But neither New England or Baltimore, as good as Lamar Jackson is, they are not the Chiefs. The yeah. Chiefs full speed are by far and away the best offense in football. And I wonder too, like I think their their offensive DVOA was when they finished, well, I guess Baltimore finished higher technically, but I will take the Chiefs just in a in a vacuum. Um I think that Andy Reid being down 24-0 and sort of seeing the mortality of his playoff hopes and his Super Bowl hopes for this year, I think he's going to be more aggressive. Hmm. Hmm. All right. That's it. That, yeah, there's, there's an argument to be made there. We've seen it before. You know, team, team faces, uh, you know, is facing elimination and comes back from that. Uh, you know, that tends to have a motivating, you know, effect on, you know, future performances. For sure, I've seen that. Um, and, yeah, no, your point about the emotional aspect of – fading the Titans multiple times and being gun shy about doing it again is I'm there too. <laughs> I was on the, I was on the Patriots. I was on the Ravens and, you know, and this, you know what this reminds me of a lot is like three, two, three seasons ago. The first year we were doing this, I was like, Nick Foles playoffs, get the fuck out of here. Oh no, no way. No way. <laughs> I was like, not, nah, not buying it. Like you're not winning a Super Bowl with the back quarterback and not this guy, especially like it's, it's just not happening. And I bet on the Falcons and I bet on the Vikings and I bet on the Patriots and, you know, three in a row was enough to teach me. Okay. You know, like that was a hard lesson to learn. Uh, and I feel like <laughs> going three times in a row against the Titans is, is, you know, two is enough. Two is enough. Like this team believes in them. You know, they believe in what they're doing enough that uh, I don't need to cause myself any emotional distress here, even though like mathematically and pretty much from every situational angle, like Kansas city's the right side here. Is that where you're at Andy? 
Yeah. I mean, diving into the box score and kind of rewatching chunks of the game where they played earlier in the year, honestly, it didn't help. It didn't help my confidence level in this bet. It was a kind of a wonky game. I guess the, the only thing I had was that it, it was, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that was Mahomes' first game back. Yes. So, I mean, I, I can say that, but at the same time, he had really good numbers. Like, he, oh, it was his first game back. Maybe he wasn't quite ready. Yeah, he had like 440 yards on 50 That's attempts. Picks, yeah. Yeah, like he had a good game. And then it's like, and then, you know, the other handicap you can, and maybe I'm making a case against my bet here. I don't know what I'm doing. But you can say, uh, you know, can they really win games if they don't have a quarterback that can throw? Like Tannehill had 13 completions for 180 yards in that game. With with like I guess there must have been one long reception somewhere in there. I'll have to check what the what the long one was. I think there yeah there was a oh that was Terry Kill. I'm not even looking at the right guy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I it's not like it's not like Tannehill had some great game. He didn't throw a pick. He was sacked a few times, but he only threw the ball 19 times, and they put up 35 points. And it was a I mean if you remember the. The late they had a fumble goal. return. They had a fumble return touchdown. John yes. had a 53 yep. fumble return. That game. Yeah, there was the there was the fumble return, and then obviously they blocked the punt, which was pretty important in the long run too. But apparently, it's the kind of team that's meant to, that's built to hang with better teams like this at certain times in the game. I felt uh, like they got a super favorable whistle too. He had a 50, and I feel like he had a 52 yard pass, and I don't remember who it was. Oh, it was to uh, Khalif Raymond. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was his only yeah. reception in the yeah. game. Yeah, Khalif Raymond, one reception on one target for 52 yards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll he, had, he had 13 completions, and he had a 20, a 23, another 20, a 17, and a 52. Like, he just – he had some long hits. And let's – you know, this was a point in the season where the Kansas City secondary was not as – I don't – you know – fortified it is now it's played a lot better it played a lot better down the, down the stretch there obviously what we saw in the first play against houston wasn't super maybe confidence building but that was just one blown assignment and you know the 24 nothing lead was kind of a bit of a mirage it was a blown assignment you had the turnover block punt it was it was a goofy 24 nothing lead and honestly it was a couple of dropped third downs away from probably being 14-10 at that point rather than 24 nothing. So I think Kansas City is – it's just so hard to fade a team that's firing on all cylinders. When you have a team that can throw – I mean, just what they did in the second quarter. Any team that can do that to you in the second quarter scares the shit out of me. I, I, I think the secondaries are probably about the same. Tennessee's secondary was much worse at points in the season, but they've gotten – you know, they've gotten a little healthier. They've gotten some pieces back. When they were missing everybody in the secondary, it was an embarrassingly bad secondary. But they just look look what Lamar – a lot of what Lamar did was in garbage time. But, I mean, I had the – God, I pulled up the stats on that. And as I was, I was saying off the air here, like uh, during the football season, Saturdays are for the wife and kids. And then this playoff run starts in, and the wife kind of got sick of that. So I ended up taking her out on Saturday night, went to a movie, didn't watch the Baltimore game, got out when it was in like the third quarter, turned on the phone, just holy shit, what is going on here? But that everything about that, everything about that box score is just wonky as far as just it, it hinged on a few big plays. Two interceptions to no turnovers for Tennessee. Tennessee 
No, I mean, just no turnovers whatsoever. Baltimore 0 for 4 on fourth down. It was 12 points on that many yards. If you just looked at the yardage and said, you know, this team scored 12 points, first off, that's wonky. Like, Tennessee probably shouldn't even be here. But they, I mean, you still have to give them credit. Like you said, Dean Pease, he's a smart guy. They play a good offense. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's the playoffs or the regular season. If you can hold an offense that did what they did all season to that sort of thing, and, you know, it takes two to tango. An interception isn't just a bad pass sometimes. I mean, that guy, the one guy, I don't even know which corner it was, he broke on that ball perfectly. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't a great pass, but the strip sack, you know, you don't get a strip sack without pressure. Like you could you create turnovers. It's not a lot, not all on Baltimore having fluky plays. So while I don't think Tennessee should even be here, like they still scare the piss out of me. I'm, I'm kind of with Whale, and it's more superstition than it shouldn't. You know, we shouldn't be thinking this way. Like, oh, I, I can't bet against this team again. But I had Baltimore. I had uh, the Tennessee New England over. Like I have not won a game in the playoffs. These <laughs> two, like no, nothing is. Worse. I've I've got. Big closing line value in both plays. Didn't get anything to show for it. I've got three losses in the playoffs. Two of them are on Tennessee games. So here I sit with my seven, and just I'm I'm just gonna have to believe. Like, Wait, so did you take you took the Chiefs at seven, or the you took the Chiefs at seven? I took the Chiefs at seven last I mean, week. I, I'm Baltimore all, at nine. Right, okay, okay, okay. I mean, but like, look, we all agree the Chiefs are the. I mean, the Chiefs are the play. We're just scared shitless because the Titans are <laughs> just so bad. Like this, this playoffs, and like. The other thing too is I go back to like Eli Manning and the Giants, and it's like sure. no, you'd no way you could tell me that team is better than the 07 or the 2011 Patriots. I know it. No freaking chance they are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, even you know what else? The other thing that's hurting me here, the other bias that I'm suffering from, I was up to my gills in Chiefs last year, and. I was so sure that they were a clear and obvious better team than the Patriots. And that three was sitting there and I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like there's no way these two teams are equal on a neutral field. Like this number is bad. You know, like just kind of like, I felt like the handicap in the Clemson LSU game was the same way. Like six was a bad number, right. Or, you know, whatever we, it wasn't really reflective of those teams, uh, you know, strengths. And I was, you know, so I was, I was way in on Kansas City last year. I felt like home field advantage was being underaccounted for. I was like, I was bought into the hype, and I lost my ass on that game. And so I'm still like, you know, there's a potential here. There's a, you know, there is a, there's a whiff of, you know, they haven't ever done it. Andy Reid doesn't always make the right calls down the stretch. They don't really have a running game to put this away. You know, there, there's a lot of things that really, like, I wish they were there to be more confident in this Chiefs team. And I just, I'm not seeing it. And I think there is a path to victory for Tennessee uh, if they can, you know, turn this into a coin flip type of game and if they can win their one-on-ones and if they can, you know, force, you know, force uh, Andy Reid to make mistakes coaching. The the, the uh, Indianapolis game, like the, the blueprint that a couple other teams tried afterwards and maybe weren't successful, but go look at, work, right? yeah, go look at that box score. It was like 19 to 13 Indianapolis ran the piss out of the ball kept it. You know, it sounds like the easiest thing, like, Oh, we'll just keep Mahomes on the sideline. They managed to do it. And they won, you know, they, they got that game done. Like you have a really good running back here. It's, it's a thing. It could happen. No, <laughs> so you're right. It was the Indy was first, but then the next week, was Houston on Sunday night, and Houston did the exact same thing. The offensive line was banged mm-hmm. up for Kansas City. They got pressure on Mahomes, who had a bum ankle, 
They ran the ball effectively down their throat. They shortened the clock. Um, both games, I think, I mean, that game was 31-24, so it was like a bigger score. But, uh, like, the KC in the game was three three hours and 15 minutes. I mean, that's that's not a really short game, but that's a pretty crisp game. And then 307 for the Houston-KC game. Like, when you look at the times involved in those games, it tells you that the opponent is trying to run the limit. 312 for, for Kansas City-Tennessee. I mean, I feel like that's that's fairly crisp, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then Denver tried it and then just realized they sucked. <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, Denver is winning this game because oh, yeah. was banged up. They got pass rushers and they can run the ball. And then Joe Flacco exists. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, okay. Uh, I think that was pretty complete. I, I guess the only, I think, and I don't know, I I'm a- Andy do. I feel like the chiefs. We haven't talked can... about this total yet. Because well, I, yeah, I, no, I, I mean, I, do, do you think the over is the right side? Well, it's getting steamed, and I can't blame people because they saw yeah, but, what happened. But it, it's getting to be a bit much, especially if you, if you should this be higher running, than last week's. Should it be higher? It should be the same. It should be fifty fifty one. I'm, but I'm going to say it should be fifty fifty one. But I am not taking it under. I can't like the. It's a high deviance game. Like it either ends, it under. either ends up in the yeah first half. I get that. I like that. But it either it either turns out that Tennessee can't stop. Kansas City and Derrick Henry still is amazing, and it ends up in the 60s. Or the Tennessee game plan works; they're able to keep that offense off the field. It's a tight game, contested somewhere in the low 40s. Great like, point. I don't think I don't think it's a close to the total. Like you could probably tease this both ways. Put put the total with the total and and end up winning. Like it's gonna be. <laughs> it could be a weird game. Yeah. Like I, I think the total's high, but I'm still pushed out on the uh, on the under. I'm not even touching it. What did you get for a number on the first half under? 25 and a half plus one or two. That's not terrible. I like it. Yeah. So, and honestly, like part of my, part of my thinking is this could go two ways. Tennessee could come out and run their game plan, run out, you know, play keep away, take the air out of the ball. This could get, this could be a real short first half. Uh, or uh, they, the offense could just absolutely no show because this is a lot of freaking travel. This is a lot of road games for these guys. This is a lot of mileage. Like this is a bad situation. And Tannehill, has shown us absolutely nothing in the playoffs so far that he can, you know, put, you know, air, you know, air it out here. So I don't think they all of a sudden pivot and like, okay, we're going to boat race these guys. Like, I just don't see that happening. Tennessee's, I think Tennessee's plan A, B, and C all revolve around shortening the game. And uh, most of that's going to be first half. I, I wouldn't have a problem getting in front of the under. If I would like it to get to like 54, I guess. I mean, if it's mm-hmm. up to 53, maybe it came back to 52 and a half. I didn't. Um, but I would, I wouldn't, I don't mind the under mainly because I think like the first touchdown from Houston was, uh, it was beautifully designed a fake bubble screen on third and one. They'd run a bubble screen before that got them the first down. Honey Badger comes flying in aggressively bites on it. Kenny Stills is wide open, but I mean like that's on tape. So I don't think they're going to completely like, I don't think, I don't think Tennessee has that in the bag per se. Like that, that little fake type of thing. Um, you also saw, and I like your first half under whale because Tennessee three minutes and eighteen seconds on their first possession. Even it was only five plays. Um, yeah. Then fourth team yeah. on their second one, which was eight plays uh, off the pick that resulted in a touchdown when they they picked that near Mark Andrews. Um, and then to go back to Houston. You know, the second touchdown was a block kick to the house. The third touchdown was a fumbled punt by Tyree Kill that they knocked in. So I think you could make a case that. 
you know, at most Houston that stuff won't happen again. The, yeah. well, well, no, the, the fourth, the fourth one was the fourth one was a short field for Kansas city off of a, off of a sure. fake punt. Yeah. What was the fifth one was a kick, kick return fumble. I mean, like there were so many fluky, easy yeah. touchdowns in the beginning of that game. It was wild. It was gorgeous. Um, quick, 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 quick point that you made me think of there too. The, uh, like Tennessee has been unflipping believable in the red zone this season especially down the stretch, like impossibly good. Regression is coming, right? Am I going to be the stupid guy saying regression to the mean and, and as the boat is sinking and I'm like, I'm, it's going to regress. I'm torn yeah. on that. It's, it's regression. It's regression coming. Or are they calling the best plays possible? Because it's just like, know, dude, it's, John, I never, Johnny I never Smith landing on one ass cheek before his entire rest of his body lands out of bounds. Like that yeah. was on third but and just, third and goal, like if they get a field goal there instead of a touchdown, I don't know if the rest of the Baltimore game goes that way. Some of the runs that they call with uh, with Tannehill, and then obviously anything they're calling with with uh, their big running back there. I mean, it, it all seems to work. D. D. Hen, what, I forget what we're calling. I was trying to think of his nickname. Travis Henry. Tractorcito. Tractorcito. Thank you. I was. I know. Yeah, I was trying to think of his nickname, but I couldn't come to me. Tractorcito. Yeah, just um, the, the play calling in the red zone is good. That's how you. Yeah. I mean, that's how you're successful in the red zone. Don't get mm. too cute. Yeah. Don't throw fades. Well, yeah. No, you throw shuttle. You throw shovel passes to Travis Kelsey. 15 times uh, yeah. <laughs> that was unstoppable play by the way um was. better tight ends will uh between uh travis kelsey and john U. smith i mean i'm a huge <laughs> i've been a, I knew joking. johnny smith has been ridiculous I, I i can't believe this he's awesome i really can't he's been awesome i, but I see that's it now here's the other here's the other argument for an under two is that if kansas city gets up let's say they're up 14 points in the second half and it's like 21 to 7 um, I don't think, I just don't think that Tennessee has the ability, like, I know they're a vertical passing team, but I don't know that they can beat you vertically if you know it's coming. Sure. And like AJ Brown's awesome and Johnny Smith is sick and he's great after the catch, but like they are, they have a minimal number of vertical weapons. If you know, it's coming, if they can get you on play action, they'll kill you. But if, if you know that they're chasing points, I just think it's so much harder for them. And they, they don't mind running Derrick Henry when they're trailing either. Like they'll just, yeah. That's hundred percent true. That yeah. that was how they got back into the the you, your point about the comebacks. Absolutely, that scared me. The, the last time these guys played, they were you were right. They were down three times. Two times it was by two scores. Yep. So two separate times it was by two scores, and they came back and took the lead. And then they were down seven late, and they get the they get the win. But that there was some weird roughing in that game, especially down the stretch. The blocked field goal at the end. The guy was clearly offsides, and they didn't yeah. call. Him. I had a third underdog money line parlay with Tennessee as the key dog in that game. And so like they were down 10, nothing. I was like, ah, shit, this is this, this money line parlay is dead. And then it was like, all right, wait, well, look, Daniel's got a little, (laughs) well, what do you know? Then all of a sudden block field goal to win. Yes. I mean, like it was a very fluky game. Um, Yeah. But you were right though, too. They didn't go away from Henry. Yeah. He got a ton of carries in the second half of that do. game. I was I was watching it and I and I remember watching I had no stake, no skin in that one, no stake on that one. And I was just like, Oh, let's see how Mahomes looks coming, you know, and with coming back from this injury. And it was it was like, Oh, Art Smith is just gonna keep running it with Travis Henry. Good luck coming back now. You know, I'm I'm like being snarky as can be, you know, thinking that uh, Tennessee was cooked. But they did it. And I'm not they, sure if you're saying Travis Henry on purpose or not anymore. Sorry. <laughs> now, now, like, now I, I don't know myself. that you are. Now, now, no, now, no, now, 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 that was all by accident for sure. Uh, I have, uh, I 
you were you were trying to reach for his nickname, and I thought I came up with Travis Henry, and I, I planted that seed, unfortunately. So apologies to Derrick Henry, who is much much more effective, especially in today's day and age, than Travis Henry. Um, oh, so many, two, he's got I got two two quick so two quick touches. questions for you guys, and then let's move on to the next one. Quick, first quick question is for uh, is for Will. Uh, how much money does Trav does Derrick Henry make this offseason? And uh, and who what team? Uh, which which team ruins their next five years by signing him? <laughs> I mean, here I think what has to happen is Tennessee has to pay him. <laughs> I think they, they're okay. Like we, you know, we always talk about in sports and analytics replacement level, right? Sure. What happens if you take because you don't want to just swap out Tom Brady for Patrick Mahomes or whatever. You got replacement level. Well, there's no better replacement level option than taking out Derrick Henry and putting in Deion Lewis. Is this team in the A's <laughs> Lewis, who I like as a player, but is not Derrick? There's no effing way they're here. There's they don't make the playoffs. They don't no. magically turn around their season if they if if it's if it's Ryan Tannehill and Deion Lewis, right? That just doesn't happen. No. So I, I think, no. Oh, here is an interesting thing, and I I cannot fact check it because I cannot get to the CBA quick enough, but I am was told this by someone else and so i'm going to take their word for it because this is the final because when the new this after this year will be the final year of the cba teams can use in one year both the franchise and transition tag oh interesting so they can use the franchise tag on Tannehill. yep the mm. transition tag on henry and make, like anybody want to match it? Anybody uh, want to offer Henry a transition tag? Is so stupid. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> for them because yeah, yeah. No, they're they're sad if that's true. Because who's going to give me a contract? And if they do, yeah. they yeah. can offer him like three quarters of Zeke steal. If they do, it's like, hey, we'll match. Right. It's fantastic. Thank you. All right, like done deal. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah, no. oh my, fascinating to see how this plays out. Uh, Andy, question for you, and then let's move on. Uh, this is Patrick Mahomes. Second AFC championship game in two years as the starter. Over under seven and a half championship game appearances in his career. Oh, I'm gonna go under. Wow. I think seven sounds about right. Seven's a fucking lot, dude. <laughs> like that's a, that's a really good career. Especially Tom got, Brady's Tom Brady's not walking through that door. Oh my god, you got Lamar, you got Burrow. Somebody's getting. I think. Uh, I think the AFC is going to be tough for years to come. Do you think like, Tua ends up in the AFC? I who know and who knows where he ends up. Who knows where my boy Eason ends up? There's, there's <laughs> uh, you, so hard to predict the future. But uh, my my last coherent point in this game is: Does Derrick Henry ever get tired? I know we don't have a lot of. Maybe we don't have a big tennis crowd. Is this just like a Medvedev thing where it's every we're like God? He runs the ball a lot. Is he ever going to get? you know, beat up or tired. He has almost 400 touches. I mean, if you look at what he went through in, in high school, this has been a late season. Yeah, I know. It's wild. Like, <laughs> it's between, been light. He's had light like work. 60, 65 rushes the last two weeks. And the four, it's fourth game on the road. So many touches. It's It's got to break down eventually. And they don't have a, you know, it's not a top-tier defense, but it's definitely an improving defense. I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if he just keep if he can just keep after this. Uh, I mean, he's had like 550 yards last three weeks. Freaking stupid. One point to make about that Chiefs defense. I know we were. I don't not to drag it out, but like just because we didn't mention it, 
Chris Jones is a big factor in this. Yes, game. he is. We should have pointed out, like, if they get Chris Jones back, I really like Kansas City because he's very good against the run. Um, excellent at flopping his penis out of the combine, as everyone knows. Uh, yep. Not related to, you know. <laughs> Please don't Google that if you don't want to see a penis. But see, that, then you're just a giant dog. Then you're just taunting Mike Vrabel, who has no penis. Because he already. Oh, that's a good point. That's an interesting yeah. point. Yeah. Well, uh, this is a very penis on penis matchup. Yeah. If Chris Jones comes back, that should help their performance against the run. I mean, he, Derek Henry had, was averaging like 18.2 carries through the first nine weeks of the season. And he had, he's had one game below 19 since then. Mm. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I know the crystal, I was excited to see him out last week because I had an over. I thought that definitely helped that. And now, yeah, it'd be nice to have him back in. He'd be a big factor against the running game. Hmm. So, is what's, uh, the, what's the other game? I guess Andy, just just last quick question then. One is more. is Vrabel a good coach? I think so. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Like you know, you can say ah, they a couple lucky wins in the playoffs. Still, like you got to get it done during the season. They kept themselves in the games against good team. They beat Kansas City. Even just to stay in the game with Kansas City, good job. I mean, how, how highly we're talking about Kansas City right now. And, yeah, it was different earlier in the season with some holes in the defense and Mahomes banged up. But also, Jesus Christ, like, I I brought this up during the entry. When I dislocated my kneecap, I didn't walk right for, like, two months. Mm-hmm. I, I was limping for a month and a half. I don't understand how he's doing this. Like, I, they're getting the good drugs, I guess. I was just using ibuprofen. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, I got to give Frable Pease, Art Smith, got to give them all credit because they looked dead at times during the season. They they turned it on at the end of the year and they got it done. Okay, you can't win playoff I, games if you don't get in. I've been struggling only, to figure out, like, I, yeah, I've been I've been struggling to figure out like what it is about him, what he does well, what you know, like if if he's a really a good coach. And but like you know, in, in two thousand and two thousand one, we didn't know that Dolchek was a good coach. Like we didn't know. That, yeah. That's a that's a point. I don't, I'm not seeing a lot, and this will kind of transition to the other game. Um, Vrabel second year, Lafleur first year, uh, Shanahan third year, essentially. And but God, if you do, you even want to count the one year for Shanahan? No, like he lost his quarterback, his running back, one of his stud corners. Like everybody got hurt immediately. He had to just you know get some duct tape and some some paper clips and push pins and put together an offense around a bunch of backups. It was like watching the replacements. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy how you have all these young, younger, as far as in their careers where they're at right now, it's, it's kind of wild to make these championship games early on in their runs. And then obviously you have the old, uh, the old stalwart, Andy Reid, who's been there a hundred times. Experience has got to matter. Experience definitely yeah. matters. Even if you don't have it at quarterback, he has poise. By, by the way, John Robinson, John Robinson is definitely a good GM. His drafts are stupid. Good point. Take a good point. I mean, like, like I think Vrabel's a good coach. I don't know if he's a great coach. I don't think we'll know. It'll take more than two years to figure it out, like you said. But, like, John Robinson has given this guy some players. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Um, he promoted Art Smith from tight ends coach to offensive coordinator, and Art Smith has exceeded expectations more than any other offensive coordinator this year, I think. We were calling him FedEx. <laughs> FedEx is gonna call plays. Like I feel he made he made fun of this guy so much. I don't think you understand. We didn't even like. We were trying to figure out if he was even a real person for a little. Yeah, bit. yeah you do, yeah, you do yeah, know yeah. what it is. You know, you know <laughs> yeah, his yeah, the FedEx connection. 
Yeah. No, his dad founded FedEx. Yeah. 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 He doesn't yep. need this job. <laughs> it's like Elaine from yeah. Seinfeld. She doesn't yeah. need to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, good transition, Andy. Tee us off. NFC well, what was the last time? What was the last time the Packers lost a game? It was, I believe, Week Ten, and off the top of my head, it was against a team from the Bay Area that wears red and gold. Yes. And boy, I looked at that game. If you would have just wiped the score away from that, there was what? Uh, Staley, left tackle, out. Brita, out. Quan, out. Ford, out. They just, they were beat up. They were hurting, and they beat them by like 100 points. There's the whole handicap. Like <laughs> that, I mean, that team, that was kind of a weird game. We were, we were kind of wondering how that would go. I don't, I don't think I placed a wager on that one. I'd have to double check to make sure, but it felt like all oh, Green Bay is kind of getting them when they're a little bit because uh, Sanders played and he took a ton of snaps, but he only had like one target. He was kind of out there a little more of a decoy, if I remember right. I just uh, skimmed the box score. It looked like he was on the field a ton, didn't get much action, and they still. They still just shoved it down their throats. It looked good. This was kind of in the tweener stage when we couldn't decide how good Green Bay was. But now we are again at the jeans. They've got everybody healthy. And honestly, I don't think they played that good of a game against Minnesota. I've said that before. I'll go on record saying, like, just they, they didn't look good. And still, they held Minnesota to 2.1 yards per carry. Green Bay has a much worse running game, in my opinion, as far as just scheme talent level and how they execute it like they don't run as well as minnesota's run all year and i I like their running backs i like some pieces they have and last week it came down to deciding not to cover Devontae adams we said that a couple times during the you know during the whole thing like i gotta see the all 22 of this like what is what's going on downfield that you're not seeing on the tv telecast or just he's the ball arrives to him and there's nobody around him it was a bold choice it did not pay off they almost ended up giving the game back anyway. It sucked that we couldn't get the two-point conversion because I did have a little plus four. But I I still – I mean, people called it the fraud bowl. I was right there with them. I'm still convinced Green Bay is not that good. I felt like at the beginning of the week, if I had to take – if they were both seven, seven and a half, and I had to take a stronger side, I'd say give me Kansas City if I had to take one of the two favorites. And now I think I'm flip-flopping because I think we've yet to see San Francisco's best game. And they're kind of coming together at the right time. They yeah, they did a bunch of things poorly against Minnesota and still completely stymied an offense that looked pretty good at times. I I don't know if Rogers has that magic. And then just I, I love me some Shanny. Oh, Shanny fast fact. Where was Shanahan born? Ooh, I don't know. Denver? Uh, <laughs> no, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. He was born right here in the state of Minnesota while yeah. Mike was the offensive coordinator, I believe, for the Gophers. That guy had a that guy was all over. I looked at his career. Mike coached a lot of different places. I like him. So Will, have you made a bet? Um yeah, well, no, I have not. Um, but I have made my picks. So like we do we do this contest for our podcast where you get a thousand dollars and for the playoffs. Hmm. A thousand dollar fake budget. Wow. Yeah. Sounds cool. I should make it a million. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Right. Exactly. Well, we're, make- what we're trying to do is, and it's me, Priscilla, and RJ White, and we, you have a thousand dollars that you can spend over the course of the playoffs. Whoever has the most dollars at the end of the Super Bowl gets a prize. 
Um, again, I got my balls handed to me last week, but he, I think what I'm, I'm double enough in this week. Yeah, I'm trying to. So <laughs> here are the two bets that I have off the top. Uh, I, d- I didn't actually take either of the seven and a halves. However, I did a money line parlay with the Chiefs and the 49ers, which I feel my only concern is that it's a little, it feels like the sucker bet. Like it's such an obvious <laughs> seven point teaser to just tease it down and be like, oh, the two better teams will win. Um, but I, I also did a, uh, an alternate spread parlay. 49ers minus 13 and a half and the Chiefs minus 13 and a half because I think Ooh. I think and it pays like like seven to one. Um, nice. Both those teams are substantially better. Let's let's the losses for the 49ers this year. There's three of them. The Seahawks in overtime at home on a Monday night. Should have been a tie. 20 to 17. <laughs> What's that? That one should have been a tie. Yeah. Yes, yes, it should have. Shanahan oh, played with a tie and then week 17 wouldn't matter. Um, credit to him for being aggressive. Uh Week 13 at Baltimore, they lose 20 to 17 in a crazy rain filled, awesome game. One of the best games of the year would have been fine if that was a Super Bowl rematch. And then Atlanta at home in week 15, where they sort of pooped their pants, somehow lost by seven and killed the over. There was like the double bad beat of the century, even though they were winning with like 0.1 seconds left or whatever it was. Um, they have been a thir- thoroughly dominant team. They didn't blow out Washington, nine nothing. Um, the thing for me oh, the- that was the worst game ever. <laughs> Unless me, you were live betting that under. No matter, it was what. the shortest game I have ever seen. That was like that was. I think that would might have set the record for shortest actual time. Of well, the game. There's, there's only three games this year that were under two minute, two hours and forty five minutes, and all three were Bill Callahan's coach Redskins. <laughs> Not, I, I, I was a lock of the century. Hat tip, Adrian Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I look at what Green Bay did against Seattle and Aaron Rodgers was seven of nine on third down for 121 yards, one touchdown, no interception, one sack, six first downs. Devontae Adams, eight catches on 11 targets, eight first downs on those catches. This is a team that lived in, in, in all but one of those Aaron Rodgers completions on third down was third, was third and long, like five or more. I mean, this was a team that lived on third and long and then Rodgers just made kind of throwback tight window throws that, that few guys can make either to Jimmy Graham or Devonte Adams. Um, not all of them were perfect tight window throws. Sometimes it was Devonte Adams breaking someone's kneecaps or being singled up in the slot for some friggin' reason at the end of the game uh, and getting wide open. So like, to me, you can't do that against San Francisco. You just, you just can't do it. And if you watch Brandon Thorne on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL, I think has a great uh, sort of highlight clipped highlight of, all the loopers that the Seahawks ran. That's how they got the Griffin brothers sack. That's how they got the um, Clowney got in there. They just pressured Rogers all day because you can get at the right guard for them. The 49ers have, I mean, just a substantially better pass rush than the Seahawks do. And they are going to get after Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers mentioned on at his press conference today that there were some things that you saw not, he said, not necessarily in the last four weeks, so I guess he means Minnesota, Seattle, the Rams, and the Falcons. He said earlier in the season to sort of minimize the pressure. So I'm curious. To me, he was very clearly speaking about some specific things he saw. I'm curious what those things might be. I want to go back and watch some of those games. Um, but They're not going to hurt D Ford, are they? Yeah, maybe, maybe we could <laughs> hurt, right? Injure D Ford. Like, yeah, that might help. Nick Bosa. <laughs> I, I just like this. San Francisco has a better running game. 
they're more aggressive and analytically inclined when it comes to coaching. And they're going to, they're not going to, you know, they're going to let George Kittle, they're going to feed George Kittle. They're going to let Jimmy throw. They're not going to hold him back like the Seahawks did. He didn't practice today. I hope he's fine. That would be a problem. He takes off Wednesdays. He does. They, it just, I feel like it was hopefully just the, you know, taking a break. It's week 20 at this point. Give him a little rest on a Wednesday. Cause if he's not fine, that's a, that's it. That would be, that would be a game changer. Juice, juice check steps up. Yeah. I mean, it looks like the juice check game. He's listed with some ankle soreness left over from their win against the Vikings. So, um, that would, I mean, Nick Wagner, just a ESPN, is saying that like they're just playing it safe, and uh, maybe they don't want a Adam Thielen situation. Yeah, you know where he hurts his ankle in the. You know, I'm fine if he doesn't practice. At any rate, their defense is way better. Richard Sherman's not going to travel around after Devontae Adams, but they'll double him up if he's away from Sherman's side. And I just don't think that they can live and die with this Rodgers making it happen on third down. And I am willing to risk. Again, it comes back to being burnt because I was burnt by it last week with the Seahawks. I'm willing to risk, like I, I'm scared of getting burnt by Aaron Rodgers going nuclear on me. But I know with my brain and my heart that the 49ers are a vastly superior team to the Packers, and that the Packers' time is up. So I would, I would take, I would take this minus seven and a half here. But uh, I did as well. I did as well. That's the consensus. Well, you remember the Rams game where we took the Rams versus the Niners. I do. That and was a miserable mistake. I mean, I still don't. Yeah. I still don't hate it. I still didn't hate it, but no, it was. We got the best of the number. We knew the number was oh going to move. That was God. a number grab for sure. We, and we then did. I talked myself into it. Yeah, it never turned out. But the biggest, I think, the biggest takeaway, and it wasn't even like after the game. I mean, it was after like the first drive. Like we just said, we both said it to each other: that the Niners can get stupid pressure, and they're not even blitzing. Like yeah. when you, when you can get that kind of pressure on Aaron Rodgers without worrying about taking a double team away on Adams, because either you have your boy Richie on him or you double team him if he's across the field from Sherman and you take that away and you get your pressure with your front four. You have, I mean, just the difference in the Vikings from when they played the Saints to when they played the Niners, and we said this in the preview, like they – they could not get around the edges. They couldn't get anything in space. The tackling is so much better. The speed on the Niners' defense is 100 compared to what, what we saw in that Saints game. And, you know, the Saints had some injuries. It is what it is. But it's, it's not going to be as easy for Green Bay, obviously. And just the front seven, the pressure, the speed, and being able to put some better coverage packages together, I don't think we're going to see anything like that, especially on third downs. You're not going to get – you're not going to get third downs like that where Rodgers is just – and he's done that through his career. I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if he still pulls some magic. He's got – I mean, out of the quarterbacks in the playoffs, he's got the experience. He's been there. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's won it, and he's a gamer. I hate him. I hate his guts. So He can, he can do that, but I just – I don't. it's such a shitty matchup for him. So bad. Well, there's one more thing to add to on that defense, like that I think is sort of flying under the radar, and it really showed up to me in the Minnesota game. Um, they didn't allow anyone. So people are like, "Oh, you can, you know, mobile quarterbacks can get the 49ers, and you can beat them with the screen game." It's like, yeah, that's true, but are you sure it's not just because Quan Alexander left? Because yeah, got, right. got hurt in Week Eight, and they hadn't allowed more than twenty. They allowed more than twenty points one time before Week Eight. Dude, Rogers moving like a corpse right now too, compared to how he was a couple years ago. 
exactly. And I just think you, Andy, I don't know if you saw, I mean, obviously he's a Minnesota guy. Yeah. Well, you too, but like every time a screen went to Dalvin cook, it's like, Oh, he might get something. Then Quan Alexander came flying in. Boom. That was the best play Boom. Minnesota had for like a bunch of the season. Just like, Oh, Dalvin cook in space. But yeah, it's way different. We brought that up on the. You said you didn't listen to it because you were too busy to listen to podcasts. But that did come up. I, I did some math while Wales. I I have a lot of time to do math while Wales talking. Bloviating. Yeah, he takes a big thing, and I sit there and do. Some, but yeah, he he went out in the in the. It was week nine, but it was their eighth game against the Cardinals. That's where he he played. He didn't really play. So those first seven weeks, if you take out the Cincinnati touchdown with like. 50 seconds left in a blowout and you take out the uh, pick six against the, I believe it was the Tampa Bay bucks. Yeah. Like they were, they were averaging giving up like eight points per game in those first seven games. Yeah. They, they were, were good. fully together when you had Quan, when you had uh, D D yep. I mean, Quan and D apparently made a big difference because Minnesota put 10 up on them. Yeah. Their game plan stunk too. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, Green, Green I Bay, Green Bay could have, something up their sleeve early we've seen them do this a lot go out and get a lead um at that point the onus would fall on jimmy g to come back if uh if they're behind and i think he's got it in him especially against this pack we haven't spent much time talking about the niners offense versus the packers defense i think they have a number of mismatches in the passing game i think yeah. the packers defense is relatively simple uh and you know where, where they disguise you know what type of coverage it is it's pretty straightforward to get them to expose you know to to get them to tip their hand uh and i think for a lot of the game you'll have kind of first strike first read uh you know uh you know op- opportunities for uh you know for jimmy g to make some high precision you know are high you, high are you gonna yeah. go out on a limb with that and say that kittle's better than jacob hollister <laughs> I mean, but just yeah, I mean, yeah. The the step up in game. Well, no, I mean that's the thing. Like, the, like, like if if Seattle had run a different game plan that uh, you know tried to, you know, anytime they went to the passing game, they were they, the the it was there for them. Mm-hmm. I, like they were they easily converting third and forevers all all in the oh. second half. Like no Kittle, problem. Kittle might have two hundred yards if they want to yeah. throw to him every down. Kittle I Sanders, Debo Samuel has emerged as an amazing receiving kind of threat. Juice check is still a problem. Like they and they they can get you in numerous ways in the passing game. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Shanahan's scheme to thrive in this matchup. Green Bay's defense is in trouble, in my opinion. I like San Francisco team total over twenty six and a half. In addition mm-hmm. to uh, playing the seven and a half points here, um, and. To add to a little bit of confidence for Will in your San Francisco will win, uh, can you tell me off the top of your head, last time the Packers won outright as a seven and a half, a seven point dog or more? Last time the pa- uh, last time the Packers pulled off the the upset. Last time they they were more than a touchdown dog and pulled off the upset. I mean, I'm struggling to think when Aaron Rodgers would have been a seven point. Does it count? Is it like a Brett Hundley thing? No. Was it a Caleb, was it the Caleb Haney game that we brought up? No. <laughs> That's funny. It, 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 seven, it's, a, it's a Brett Favre game. Oh, <laughs> it is 2005. Wow. Was the last time the Packers won? That's as a, a dog of seven points or more. Aaron Rodgers in his in his career, zero and eight lifetime. As a seven-point dog or more, so he like sort of stinks against good teams, and no one talks about this. Well, he doesn't take chances. We know this. He plays, you know, like like when he when the when the when well, yeah, when he's going up against uh, you know high like 
especially difficult competition, if they're down in those games, like he's not willing to, you know, to throw interceptions and, you know, push the ball. Uh, and I think that comes into play in this one. I, you know, there was a little bit more willingness to do that in the Seattle game, I felt like, but it wasn't really risk-taking because he had five yards of, you know, Devontae Adams had five yards of separation on every freaking route he ran. So it was, you know, that was, that was gross. Uh, yeah, it was gross. And uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think they got Just thinking back to that Rams game that you guys mentioned, <sighs> that, uh, yeah, I, know, I had the Rams too. It, 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 it was like, ha this line's just, wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm putting that in all my parlays. Um, <laughs> that game in Minnesota last week, I just think that when you get down to San Francisco, yeah, you're in deep trouble. trouble. Like, yeah. In, in the in the Monday night game against um against Green Bay. Like if they get you down two plus scores, the, that pass rush is just uncorking and it's yep. it's over. Yeah. yeah, and their running attack is dynamic as it's not uh, you know, it's not uh um it's not Ravens level of dynamic because they don't have you know, you're not getting the same kind of action out of Jimmy G, but the what their you know what their offensive line is doing is spectacular. You know what they're running backs. They have three guys that all have kind of a different, unique skill set and fresh legs constantly out there to run it down your throat. Like they have a very nice rushing attack. And uh, and actually, this this pivots into a question I have for you, Andy. Um, it felt to a degree like Jimmy was having a stinker against the Vikings, and Shanahan took the ball out of his hand. Yeah, right? He, he basically did. was like, "We can win this with a rushing attack in our defense. Like, you know, take a seat, buddy. This is your first playoff game. We're going to get the win for you." Um, do you think it is important for them this season, this era to put the ball back in Jimmy G's hands to get him, you know, to, to kind of, this is the good matchup for him. He should have a nice game. He's gotten the day, the W, you know, he's, he's popped his chair here. Like he, he should, is it important for San Francisco basically to, uh, to, um, put the ball in Jimmy's hands and win it? through the air yeah he kind of had a Tannehill game didn't he and it was a weird game and as I go back through the box score I, I think it, it did kind of dictate being a running game too as they as they got the lead Minnesota you know the first that drive where they scored on it felt like all right maybe they're live for this and then everything after that just felt bad like they only scored three points after that the defense really stepped up and I think Shanahan is just a good enough coach to realize like I'm our defense is going to stiffen up. We don't need to score 35 points today. They're not going, you know, they're not going touchdown for touchdown with us. Like I said, San Francisco didn't have a great game. They had two turnovers. I mean, the turnover battle was tied. They had more penalties. They didn't capitalize on two of their red zone trips and they still won 27 to 10 with basically just salting the second half away. And Coleman had 22 carries. Mostert had 12. Breida had eight. Yeah, it's everybody got the ball a bunch. They slowed the game down. I mean, and being up, you know, being up with they were up. Once they got that lead there in the third quarter, third quarter went ten nothing Niners. It just it felt like that Minnesota will not score again. And if they do, it's like with a minute left, down by three scores, getting just a garbage trash touchdown. Mm. Yeah, it felt like it felt like if you had the over, <laughs> it was it's like man, even though there's twenty four at half, it felt dead. Like cousins and Garoppolo might have well had, they had the same game. It was like the Spider Man thing where they're pointing. Yeah. At each other. <laughs> Except one was on a better team with a better yeah, coach. Cousins had a better game. Yeah. The, the yeah. Not seeing Eric Kendricks 
speaking of superheroes, he was the invisible man. Is that a superhero? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody can turn invisible. One of the Fantastic Four can, I think. But it just th- those two throws right to Eric Kendricks. Like, what do you do? Not see him, but then Cousins got him right back. That that route that I don't know what exactly the route was, but where he tried to throw to Thielen and Sherman turns around, it's just right in his bread basket. Which, you know, Sherman right on his hip like that, he was in perfect position. But yeah, they, they both kind of had the same game. It was a Spider-Man game. And mm. Niners at home with a better run attack and way, way, way better defense. Yeah. Will, like, uh, last. Like a similar game with Green Bay. Will, the last time Kyle Shanahan was in the NFC title game, he played against the Green Bay Packers at home. And he hung 44. On yep. them. Can the Niners get the over by them damn selves? I would probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think he'll do it. I do think, and the, the reason I don't think he'll do it is because of Matt LaFleur, who um, is one of his protégés. Right? Mm, okay. Um, who was that with Shanahan and, you know, and McVeigh under Shanahan in, in Washington? I don't, I don't think he'd do that to LaFleur. Mm, they're bros. Don't forget that in 2014, or after 2014, um, when he, the edict was handed down that you have to deal with Johnny Manziel or else, Kyle Shanahan stomped into Mike Pettin's office with a 32-slide PowerPoint presentation and broke <laughs> down why he should be relieved of his contract from the Cleveland Browns. And does not like Mike Patton to be coordinated the Packers. So let's put it past them to run up this score and to say, look, like also Kyle Shanahan. I don't know if you guys remember the, uh, the Falcons Patriots game. We talked about it. 28, three. Don't up. call. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> I don't remember that one. I lost that no. one. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm thinking hard. Yeah. Hmm. But like, if you're Kyle Shanahan, can you ever afford to take your foot off the gas in a playoff game again? No. It's no. it's like I mean we've all seen the U, the the thirty for thirty. Yeah. It's like the the one game where they they were you know they were blowing people out on purpose, and it, it he said that I mean the coach said that he's like that one game where somebody came back on him he's like I'm just I'm never letting that happen again like Shanahan he's the ultimate poster boy for that you can't have that but you don't mm-hmm. you don't want that to happen again the comparisons oh my god that's yeah. the biggest biggest what might have been game for me because I went pretty big on team total over second half for new England, but we joked around about like, man, they should win this. Like then the money line was stupid and we were all going to throw in on it. We we're sitting at the bar and just obviously the team total came home, but man, we should have made a lot more money there. Rough. I was in, I was a, that was like a, so like the weird thing about the press box is that, it's not really a like. It's not really appropriate to have like a giant like five dime. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're like on your phone like like. Oh, you need a runner, man. Get you a runner. Get you a runner. Get a beard. And I was like, and this is pre-live betting. I get. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, I couldn't. I, I, I can't remember being at halftime and being like, should I take the Patriots live? Cause we I need to get you set up with the telegram app and a runner, man. We'll take care of this for you. Um, the, uh, the, in seriousness though. By the way, uh, you, know, you mentioned yeah. last, um, the last time the Packers won a seven point underdogs. I, I just wanted to see the list of games. So I looked it up. Can you name the leading rusher from that game? Oh, Jesus. Dorsey this, is a, this, this is a uh, 2005 against the Falcons. Dorsey Levens. Uh, it's 2005. It's not Dorsey Levens. It's 2005 against the Packers. Amon Green? 
Bubba Franks. Amon Green. No. Uh, <laughs> Sam Congato. Yeah, uh, the great is Sam it? Congato. Is it? Yes. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Yes. I thought I was. I thought he was in like the 2009s. Okay. Wow. That's cool. 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 <laughs> the great Sam Congato. The Ghana. Well, he had a great nickname too, didn't he? Was he like the, the Ghana Terror? <laughs> I don't remember. Um, okay. Uh, would uh, Will, would your feelings be any different about this game if this was Mike McCarthy instead of Matt Uh No, I think they're the same guy. Yeah, a lot, a lot made about Mike McCarthy hiring in Dallas. Your temperature on that? I, I like, I, I like it because it's. I mean, I think, he, I think, he, so I think he falls. I mean, I don't know where you. I mean, I, I did you guys bet on Seattle or Green Bay last week? Seattle. Okay. I, mean, I did too. Like I'm, I'm okay. Sorry. I'm not, <laughs> we're on the same bad beats here. I agree. Seattle should have won. The Pete Carroll thing is infuriating. I am in the camp though, that like Pete Carroll and Bill O'Brien and Mike McCarthy and this group of coaches who are very frustrating to gamble on are and frustrating with their in-game decision-making are good coaches. Like I think Pete, Pete Carroll is a very good football coach, right? but his refusal to change up what he wants to do from an offensive standpoint and to adjust is infuriating. And I'm sort of there. That's why I'm a little worried about Mike McCarthy. Like, I mean, look, Andy Reed, you know, flamed out in Philly and then came back in, in Kansas city and was sort of revived. I, I think if Mike McCarthy comes back revived, I think it'd be fine. Now he's, I mean, they lost on three straight walk-off playoff losses in 13, 14 and 15. That is enough to rip your soul out. Sure. And I just sure. I can't believe I can't imagine how much he rage like rage. <laughs> just went, he went he went to a barbecue. He's probably place. still re rage eating. Yes, <laughs> his Hawaiian shirt. The, the um, and I'm not knocking Tom Pelissero or anybody who did one, but like the the off season like puff pieces on Mike McCarthy. Sure, it's not a little you know. It's like yeah, yeah. putting on happy like. <laughs> this, this isn't uh, this isn't John Fox 2.0. This isn't Jeff Fisher 2.0. John Fox sucks. John I mean, Fox but we wouldn't. We, I know we we say that now, but I feel like you know, I mean, like I I think you. I feel like that class of guys you just named. I don't know. I feel like that was the temperature on Fox and Fisher was about that way. Like two years before, it was like, oh no, now these are good guys for gambling. Like now, I want them to stay around because I know exactly how to bet on them. Yeah, that's true. I, so. <laughs> I mean, John Fox. John Fox would do a Super Bowl with two different teams. He just didn't win one. Yeah, right. That's, that's hard. Jeff to Fisher was an inch away. How close was he to a Super Bowl win against the Rams? Yeah, an inch, I, two inches. I mean, he, they had that the, and then he had the team that was like thirteen and three with Kerry Collins. It was who they lose to? There was the Ravens. They were dominant. I mean, like he had some good teams. It's just the like the league passed him by. Now the difference with Mike McCarthy is he's actually a passing guy, and like I mean, don't forget okay. when, when he got to Green Bay, he was like Aaron Rodgers was not Aaron Rodgers. He he cut Favre loose. He was the guy, the coach, who cut Favre loose and said, we're going with Rodgers and developed him. And then the relationship just went sour. So, to me, if you're trying to make Dak Prescott a great quarterback, I like the idea that Mike McCarthy can do that. Hmm. Okay. I like it. I like it better than – I guess I'm, I'm coming around a little on it. And it'll come down to his attitude. If he decided, you know, I'm, I'm still stuck in 2010 yeah. and this is how I'm going to do stuff. I haven't learned anything from the way the league's moved. He might suck again. If he's he's taking it, you know, he's not, you know, we talk about some of these coaches because they make idiotic moves, but, you know, they're still very smart individuals who understand more about football than we'll ever know. 
And if he took some time and watched the league and how to be successful with some of these, you know, some of these teams are doing things a little more. And he is a passing guy. If he really wants to adopt the the new league, and I, I think they have the weapons down there in Dallas. If he can, if he can really push towards, you know, what they do in Kansas City or some of the, you know, some of the pass happy offenses with, with just the weapons he's been given, he can he can succeed. Like just just use the motion and be a little yes. creative with like some formations, man. Yeah, Dallas used like that was shown. Dallas used so little motion last year, and it was just such a mess this year. They started to, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, Witten's out there like every week. Witten was getting used a little, a little more and a little more, and it just was going away from what worked like the first two weeks. The team was up and down all year. I think there was a lot of internal strife that we probably don't hear about because just the way that one game would be called so much differently from the game before. I didn't understand what was happening. If they can get some, some balance and like a game plan and this is an identity, like this is the team we are. This is what we're going to do. We have all this talent. What makes you think any of that's possible as long as Jerry Jones is in church? That's what sucks. Like, I I guess I'm hoping, you know, maybe they put him in a home over the off season. (laughs) I mean, the fact fact that McCarthy said whatever he needed to say and did whatever he needed to do to get that job. And then in, you know, in the, in the handful of sprinkles of interviews, it's been pretty clear. Like he was like, yeah, no, no, I, I got the job. Like that was my goal. Like, and, and now, you know, you know, just the track record of Jerry Jones meddling and, you know, putting pressure on, you know, the coaching staff to make him look good for signing Zeke Elliott to just an absolutely unfathomable deal. Like, there's and just in general, the likelihood that the defense gets gutted because of what what kind of contract status they're going to be in when they have to resign Dak and Cooper. Uh, like this is this is a team that's going to be stars and scrubs, and all the stars are going to be on offense. I don't, um, I don't think they'll resign Cooper. I bet they'll let Cooper walk. I think mm. they, I think they think Gallup is a legit one. They should try to trade Zeke to New York to replace uh, <laughs> to replace Lee, replace Le'Veon Bell. Your fantasy team will never lose if you have Zeke and Saquon, Dave. Yeah, there you go. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, they're going to play tough under Joe Judge, apparently, so that should be fun. Uh, All right, well, let's wrap it up. This was super fantastically fun. And, uh, yeah, people people said we couldn't do a two-hour podcast about two games, but we did it, guys. Congratulations. (laughs) This is like an hour 40. Like, it was a really? freaking good one, though. This will go down, was. I think, as one of our better ones until until we have to face the music and handicap a Green Bay, Tan- a Green Bay Tennessee Super Bowl, which is going to be real tough. Um, but uh, no, just not to cool. recap here, if you made it this far, congratulations. This is not a joke. This was not a prank. Uh, we liked. Uh, I, I played the first half under in uh, in Kansas City, uh, twenty five and a half at plus one hundred two. Uh, I got involved in San Francisco minus seven and a half at plus one hundred three. And uh, I took the San Francisco team total over 26 and a half at minus 105. So those are my three plays heading into the weekend. I feel pretty strong about it. We'll try to do some periscopes. Uh, Andy's already posted his action or, you know, it from our Sunday pod. Uh, Will's stuff is fantastic as always. And real quick before we wrap and let you go, Will, pick six, the, like that, that Twitter account, like that, that's fire. That's fire. It's not you. It's, it's so good. No, Whatever social media well. guys, it's somebody younger that. for sure. Yeah, the the video, like the the group chat videos, is absolutely hysterical. Uh, all Those of, are you know, the the um you had the Cornelius Yukon Cornelius uh, um, Big Ben tweet. It was um, unbelievably funny. Like just some great stuff. So congratulations on your success with 
the Pick Six Podcast and at CBS. And uh, where can people find your work? Uh, yeah, uh, Pick Six Podcast on Apple Podcast, and um, you can uh, go to Twitter at Will Brinson, and yeah, check out the Pick Six Pod. It's at Pick Six Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. The social media team uh, they can sort of c- like cut loose with their NFL takes on that podcast account on that, on that Twitter account. So they like to do it there. And uh, it's, it is, you're right. It's a good follow. I wish I could claim it. No one listens to this. You can claim it. <laughs> I, I wish I had the identity. <laughs> all right. Good stuff. All right. Best luck this weekend, man. Will, thank you so much for all your time. I know you're a busy guy and uh, we will uh, look forward to reaching out and talking to you some this off season. And, uh, Let's go. Uh, let's go Niners Chiefs Super Bowl. We all want it to happen. It'll be fun. Let's get a win this weekend. How about that? Let's <laughs> shoot low. Lower our expectations. A winning weekend would be nice. Yeah. 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 All right. Take care, guys.